You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Nassman Hockey Podcast. James Nichols, John Zella here with you again. Um, James, you've had a heck of a day. You're, are you ready to talk some hockey? <laughs> I, I need to, I think, because I need to be distracted from this craziness uh, that was today. We don't have to get into it. All right. Well, all right. Hope your heat's fixed or is getting fixed or whatever. <laughs> I'm sure it's not nearly as cold there as it is by me, but... No, um, cold is cold. No. Yeah, e- either way. Um, yeah. Ho- hopefully that gets settled. Um, <laughs> but before we get into some Islander stuff, which will um, feel a lot like Groundhog Day, in that um, this episode, the Islanders, you may have heard it all before, but um, we'll get to that in a second. I, I want to talk, and, and I-, I don't know that I would have seen it maybe not as early in the day, if you didn't repost it on Twitter, um, that no goal in the shootout in Florida. Did you yeah. find, for those who didn't see it, um, I forget who the goal scorer or the not goal scorer was. The shooter. Evan Rodriguez. Evan Rodriguez, that's right. And it seemingly is a good goal. I didn't see an explanation. Um, so... I have the explanation and I, and I know why it was called not a good goal. And when I said that, I don't know what world this is not a good goal in. People were very upset by that because it's in the rule book. You should know you, you work in the industry, but whatever. Um, yes, I know all this. I just don't agree with it. It's a gray area for me because the, the way it happened was that Evan Rodriguez put the shot on uh, the goaltender and the puck bounced off of the pad so he made the initial save he didn't at least to me he didn't swipe at the puck again and and like in a a a second motion to take a shot it was just the follow-through that the puck after it hit the pad hit the stick again and went in and they said that that was a rebound that he scored on which I, I don't necessarily necessarily agree with that because 
it wasn't like he made a second shot attempt. You know, it's not like he got a, a second. It was a, in the shootout, so he doesn't get the shot statistic. But for argument's sake, if it was a shot in regulation, I don't think he gets two shots on that. I think it's just it's like almost like a tip. So I, I don't know. Maybe that counters my argument for, you know, <laughs> if it should have been a goal in the shootout or not. But it was the follow through of his initial shot. So his his stick just continued to go forward. And after the initial save, it happened so quick, the puck bounced off of the pad, then the stick and in. I think that's a good goal. It it is interesting because I, I had to watch it a couple times and I, I noticed that a little bit and I, I just wasn't sure if that was it. I, I wasn't on, on Twitter very much during the day today, so I didn't see the explanation. That is interesting. If you know, given that that's the rule, and I think we all knew the rule since pretty early on in the shootout uh, when it was implemented 20 years ago, nearly 20 years ago. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't want to lump these two things together because obviously they're very different, but, and one is technically, is I think one's technically a linesman thing and the Truba head slash is is a something for the referees, but I guess zooming out, just the inconsistency in some of this stuff, and this is going back to like, other big slashing penalties or other things like that. I think it's, they always like kind of want to get it right. And it just doesn't happen that way. The, the offsides thing is not as out of control as it was. Every once in a while, they get a coach's challenge. It's really annoying in the playoffs, but um, I think you're watching a little more hockey than me lately. Are you, are you still seeing a lot of inconsistencies around the league with refereeing in the beginning of the season? It was quite bad. I, I, that there was a lot of, conversations happening about that are you still seeing that game to game yeah um you know devils and beyond yeah definitely i mean for example just yesterday uh, i'm trying to remember who the player was maybe it was just say it was dawson mercer he was trying to hold the blue line um and he was ahead of a an opposing player an islander um the islander was backskating and backskated into dawson mercer who was trying to hold the blue line and they called interference on dawson mercer and I was just very, I was very confused by that because, you know, he was backskating and, and Mercer didn't get in his way. You know, he was just, he was ahead of him. So there's definitely still been some inconsistencies. I feel like every, you know, group of referees and linesmen have, you know, just a different way of viewing the game. And it's just kind of, it's really kind of subjective every game. I know that they, they go through these trainings and these protocols, to try to get it uniform and right across the league, but I don't know, man. I, I, I think every referee and, and linesman sees something different out there. Yeah, and, and on top of that, the I think the the pinnacle of craziness, the epitome of craziness was the Florida-Ottawa game and the ref saying everyone on the ice, 10 players, 10-minute misconduct, or, yeah, 10 skaters, presumably. Everyone, 10-minute misconduct. That's – I've never seen it before. I, I didn't know that was possible – and then you have players, barely any players on on either of the benches. It looked like a beer league game. And yeah. Paul Maurice is looking around. He's he's counting his players, making sure he you know however many players are left. It was a little crazy. I had never seen that before. I'll be honest. I loved it. That was awesome. The fight was awesome, or the result. Everything. Cares? All of it. I thought it was all awesome. The. You know, the chippiness in that game, the, the Kachuk brothers, you know, jawing at each other, 
their grandmother in the stands they kept panning to with all, all of her nervous expressions was just outstanding camera work. Uh, and then, you know, the result with the with the cameraman where he was like, everyone on the ice, 10 minute misconduct. I was like, that's the call. Oh, that's the best call ever. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed thoroughly. Enjoyed yeah, that. I guess it was I, awesome. I don't know what you do. I guess that's the right call. I, I certainly don't know what the right one is or a different one would have been. Um, but it was just I saw the clip and just did did not fully understand what had transpired before that. So then I, you know watching some of the tape and it was late in the game there's seven or eight minutes left um all but over unless they were playing the islanders in which they would have let them the other team back and win but um the, the game was all it was 4-1 florida over ottawa that, that game was over that, that you know nothing was in seven minutes nothing was really going to happen maybe a little bit of noise here and there but probably nothing so it was interesting that that was happening that late and even the the impetus of it was hardly anything as well. I I couldn't really tell. I don't know if they someone got a slash on the goalie in the in the whistle right before, and then everyone just kind of grouped up in the corner and just all hell broke loose. Um, I also want to talk about a little bit about the Corey Perry thing, and, and nothing specific because we really don't know what happened. Although there's there are some things trickling out. I don't know that I want to perpetuate anything. Obviously, none of the rumors um, that were going on the last day or so, but um, I think just the craziness of that situation where it was, you know, it was bad enough where they can just, I mean, if it was against his contract, I guess it's not that crazy. You just terminate the contract. He went against guidelines of the organization or, or whatever, but it wasn't illegal, which I guess can happen. You can get fired from your employer having done something they deem that you broke the rules and it's not necessarily illegal just against their rules. I saw a lot of people questioning that. I'm not sure why there's some confusion there. Um, but a wild situation for a player that was kind of loved on that team. And, and I think that's probably the hardest part about this is that not only was he loved on that team, but you know, put into perspective what the organization's been through. Obviously, you know, they did not handle the Kyle Beach thing correctly. And, you know, Kyle Davidson wanted to change the culture. He wanted everything to be different uh, post, you know, that situation. Obviously, another player, you know, came forward with a, a similar accusation around that time. You know, things are not going well for, for that organization right now. Corey Perry was supposed to be one of those players who helped change that culture, especially because of Connor Bedard and, you know, what he's going to bring to that organization. And, 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 you know, he's the new face and things are just supposed to be different. Again, we don't know what happened. Obviously, the rumors are wildly speculatory. I don't really think that they have any legs. I think that it's just wild speculation. Um, but whatever he did. I mean, for the general manager to get choked up in the press conference about it, look, must have been something pretty bad. Uh, I don't want to speculate as to what it was. And by pretty bad, I mean, you know, enough to hurt Kyle Davidson, um, which is, I mean, how often do you see a general manager get his feelings hurt that way? <laughs> Rarely, if ever. Um, it's unfortunate for for that organization where, where they're trying to, 
you know, as at least on the surface, change things from the way they they've been. And I, and I did see, and I again, I thought this was an in, uh, I'll say interesting take. I'm not sure if that's the right word, um, but I I saw a take that was why aren't they saying anything about what happened? Their whole thing was transparency, and. I don't know that like this is as long as it wasn't like illegal and something. I don't know that they need to be transparent with you know, not, especially not right away. There, yeah. the whole thing with what they needed to do was hold people accountable, and they did that. He did something that was wrong, whatever that was, and they terminated his contract. Like that's like, what they're that's what they said they needed to do, and they did that. The transparency piece is internal transparency. They were going to do an investigation. They did it. That was it. And it was very, very quick. It's the same as anybody, you know, getting fired from their job and not wanting to talk about it. It's nobody's business. It's between employer and employee. And if it's nothing illegal, then you don't have to know. Everybody's just maybe a little bit too nosy in this in this industry and needs to know everything needs to know. You know, everybody kind of looks for something to get mad about these days. And maybe that's part of this. You know, everybody wants to know if they need to be mad about something because, Again, look, the Blackhawks did this themselves, right? They, they, the way they handled situations in the past, this is why they're getting hammered so hard about this. However, it could just be something as, as, you know, innocent in the sense that it's not illegal, but it was against team policy and not, it could be wrong and not illegal. Like, I think there's a line there too. Like, I I think there's a, there's a lot of things here. Right. And yeah, they, they didn't do themselves any favors, as you said, and they deserve to be under a microscope. I think it's different that this happened and we didn't find out three months later. And then because it went public, they terminated his contract. Nope. Something just happened, best we know, and they terminated it almost right away. It, I, I think there's a huge difference there between like on the transparency thing and what they're trying to hold again, their players raise their organizational standards. I mean, the bar was pretty low, but. Um, so I think I don't I don't people were saying they don't deserve any credit in this and that. I I don't think they need credit. You just have to say okay, they did in this particular instance they did what they said they were going to do. I don't like the Blackhawks organization. Like they have a lot of work to do. This isn't um necessarily a step in the right direction. It it feels like it's at least better. Um whatever the policy was that, you know, that he broker he could have just done a shitty thing and it was just against what the team's values are now clearly hopefully different than what they were and that's it so hope like that I, the takes around that were i thought wild and a, a bordering on wrong like I, I don't know people i guess kind of are looking for something to get mad at i think they're just really holding that organization accountable like they deserve to be under a microscope, and every little thing um, is is going to be scrutinized. That's just yeah. the nature of it now with, with that organization. Right. Um, certain answers we're not going to have, maybe ever, but certainly not right away. So I just I wanted to touch on that for a second. Again, a couple of things just that were like, this is a little crazy, and um, the takes afterwards I thought were a little wild, but um, more about on the ice and, and kind of getting into the Islanders. 
and and uh, overlapping a little bit with the Blackhawks, Anthony Bavillier traded for a fifth round pick to the Chicago Blackhawks. Now that they have the room and his four million, just over four million dollar contract, Anthony Bavillier. Safe to say the Islanders win that trade. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's right. You know, the, Horvat's been great. Honestly, he's he's scoring goals this year. That power play goal he scored the other day had some real mustard on it. Now, on the devil's end of that, I think Vanacek needs, Vanacek needs to make that save. I think he he was in the right position, but I, I digress. Um, regardless, he's up to, what is he up to, seven, eight goals? You know, he's he's playing well for, for, for them. He's one of their best players. Um, Bavillier, on the other end, he's been exactly what he was for the Islanders. Inconsistent, streaky. You know, points in bunches and then disappears for a large stretch. And you know, it's it's a no, it's a low risk for for the Blackhawks who needed to you know fill a, a hole after they lost Corey Perry. Um, he's a young player. Maybe he can you know mesh with Connor Bedard. You know, obviously the uh, the Canucks have really talented players. Elias Pettersson's there. You know, they, there's no questioning Quinn Hughes is the best defenseman in this league right now, uh, you know, sans uh, uh, Cal McCarr, but you know, there there's maybe just a different opportunity. Maybe there's a more of a opportunity for Bavillier in Chicago. And again, no risk at all for Chicago to take that bet. So um, I like the move for Chicago. I think I like it for Bavillier. I like Bavillier as a person. He's a nice guy. I want him to succeed. Um, maybe being in that organization for him is a, a in a shitty moment, but uh, I think that it could work out hopefully for him. Uh, but it, it all made sense to me in the end. I think you're right. Um, and I'll, I'll add that. I think it's good because that's an organization with a lot of that that's in transition and they're trying to be better. And it's a little bit of a chip on your shoulder situation. And he's played well with that kind of culture and that environment where there's young players they're, they're trying to get better it's after years of this thing they've they're trying to turn over a new leaf there's a lot of this and that was the Islanders he was on that type of team I understand the situations are very very different but it's a little bit of a we had to prove it kind of uh, team and if you you know just on that level that wasn't the Canucks they thought they were good and they were just kind of adding pieces and they just kind of keep spinning their wheels and I don't know if they've fallen off quite yet um, I imagine that they that they did, but I mean they banked so many points early on. Um, I mean they're still doing pretty good, um, second in the in the Pacific. But um, if they're you know they open up a little bit of cap space, it's a it's a dump for them. It's good for Chicago to get a young player and see if it's if this isn't just the right environment for him and. He's still young. He's still useful. You know, he might wind up just being a third line player, and that next contract is not going to be four million dollars. Um, but I'll give it to Lamorello. Obviously, Horvat's working out, but Bavillier had, I guess, enough. I mean, they gave up a first round pick and uh, to Ratu and and so on. But Ratu's been in the in the AHL, and he's not quite there yet. So it's tough to say for sh- for certain if. The Islanders won the trade, but 
at this very moment, it seems like it's it's in the Islanders' favor. You can give as much as people are, are bagging on Lamorello at the moment, and rightfully so. Um, it's it's probably okay to uh, give the win to the Islanders for now. Um, and that's the only win, I think, that the Islanders have had very recently, although they, they were on a seven-game point streak. They they had a couple wins around Thanksgiving. Um, but then they just get right back to – but they skipped they, – they beat the Flyers, right? I don't know why I'm not remembering these games. Um, it seems – Thanksgiving seems like it was uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, they're shut out. They're they're shut out uh, by the the Flyers, and they lose in a shootout. Um, they beat the Senators. Whoop de do. Um, they beat. They finally win a game and and hold a lead, and they beat the Flyers. Um, they win in a shootout against the Flames since we last spoke. But then before that, it was that West Coast trip finished with just more losses and letting in you know allowing four goals a game. Um, Pretty much that whole trip. Yikes. So from November 4th through November 18th. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in eight straight games. Now some of these are shootout goal, quote goals. They let in four goals in each of those games. All losses. That's that's bad on its own. That's you know Sorokin not playing well. It's Verlamov not you know, um, you know only doing what what both of these goalies can. But Sorokin's not an uh, you know world beater at, at the moment. Um, so I'll, I'll say this much um, before you continue. I was sitting with Andrew Gross and uh, Ethan Sears yesterday while they were talking about the Islanders' woes. Um, in the season so far, were they 15 games in, uh, 20 games in? Nine of their games, they've been winning by two goals or more in the third period, and they've lost all of them. I, I saw, I so I thought the stat more than that, more than, and that's that's a terrible stat. But Rosner had a had a good one. Um, now, real quick, sorry. That was nine in, in the third period. Um, 11, they've been winning by two goals in total. Uh, 11 games, they've been winning by two goals at some point. So not just the third period, but at some point. In seven of them, they lost the lead completely. So it just goes to show you, it doesn't matter how many, you know, how many goals they go up and how much time they have left. They are finding ways to lose these games. Yeah. Not and, great. And- the first 30 or 40 minutes typically has been okay. And and you sit there and go, this is okay. This is the team that I expect. And then I I don't, I don't know what happens. And that, you know, that's why I wanted, you know, the, my, the first thought after I put these notes together was, it was Groundhog's day. It just, it is just the same thing game after game. And I thought the most surprising stat through all of this, and, and, and you mentioned some of them, um, blowing multiple Goal lead seven times, been outscored in 31 to 13 in third periods. The Devils game was the eighth time in 21 games that the Islanders have given up the game winner in the third period. Um, all these uh, from from Ross or the Hockey News. 
And but the, I think the most telling part of this information that that I was reading is they've spent the least amount of time trailing in games among all NHL teams at ten minutes and thirty seven seconds. So it's it's. And what's crazy is typically you get third period power play or this and that, and you can you can pad your lead a little bit, and the power play dries up in the third. I don't have the official stats on that, but at least last night they could have um, give, given themselves an extra goal and they they missed out on a power play opportunity um, or capitalizing on on a power play opportunity. So they're not even trailing in games. It's almost I it's I don't even know what the term is. It's insanity. It's definitely, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a, a different result is insanity. And that's really what I wanted to, to, to talk about is or ask the question, what, what's left to say? And at this point, kind of what happens? This is more than a trend. This oh, no. Is, this, is the, this is who they are. This is we were asking about an identity a couple episodes ago. This is who this team is. This is just a bad, let's call it second half of the game, defensive team. The thing is, is that, you know, at this point, nobody really knows, you know, what what comes next other than, you know, what we, we've, we've had this conversation before. What can they do? Are they going to make a trade? They're not going to make a trade. Well, we went through make... all that with, like, Staple and, like, what, right. what's the right thing to do, an interim coach and this. But now that it just – and maybe this is just a short episode because you just can't have the conversation. There's nothing <laughs> left to say. Like, Lee goes out there. I know I've been harping on leadership going, you know, saying they need to go out there and, you know, get the guys going or 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 be the, you know, the ones scoring the goals. And they're all doing that. Right. Lee's woken up a little bit. He's scoring goals. Horvat continues to score goals. He has nine. Um, Barzell's finally leading the team in scoring. Yeah, he's got um, six and, goals too, which is pretty significant for you know before December. Yeah, I, what do you for have, him? Yeah, what do you have? Fifteen last season. Yeah. So, I actually do want to check that because I think it's interesting. But hey, he's got six now in twenty-one games, and last season he had fourteen. Yeah. So he's halfway. He's, a, he's nearly halfway, and it's. He had 58 games last season. He definitely didn't, you know, he's, I think he's on pace for way more than that. He's on pace um, for 24. And that would be a 10 more. high. Yeah, that'd it's be a career more. high for yeah. for Barzell, which is absurdly low. But, yeah, he's, I think on the season, he, he's he's looking pretty good. He can, he might be able to crack 80 points again for the first time in what feels like a decade. Um, but certainly the better half of one. Um what did you see in person last night? Because you're at this game, like you said, you, you were you were talking to a few people. You got to watch the team up close. I think for the first time since the last time that they played the Devils, which um, it was pretty early in the season, if I'm not mistaken, back in October. Yeah. Um, another loss, another five four game. Um, that one was in overtime. Um, what did you see from this team? Is it as bad in person? as it is when we read it afterwards, because we're all kind of reliving, you know, we, you and I talk about it on the podcast. We, and before that we're doing notes 
And then before that, we're texting about it. And then before that, we're looking on Twitter and reading other people. Um, you're writing about the Devils Islanders game. Like, we're re replaying every single moment like a thousand times. And yeah. that's just, we watch it live and then we rewatch the replay and get everyone's take on it on Twitter. Yeah. We're just, I'm almost uh, seeing it in person would be a little refreshing. At least you just see it once and your palate's clean, just like so move on in the game. Um, this other way, it just is like you're just bombarded with the same mistake a thousand times plus everyone's take on it. So I'm curious what you saw in person last night. And then you know, you're, you're kind of seeing this game from the devil's perspective a little bit, at least is how you write about it. Um, you know, the, the devils were struggling too. This is a big win for them. Um, Metro's still really tight. So what did you see in the game? Um, how do you see this game from a kind of a devil's perspective? So, you know, early on in the game, I thought that the Devils, well, for, actually for the, the whole game, at even strength, I thought that they were controlling the puck um, when they put themselves in in a, a hole and, you know, were on the penalty kill. The Islanders actually, look, their power play is good this year. To their credit, they're scoring goals on the power play, which is something that we haven't been able to say before. Um now, the thing with them is that to start the game, they they played that heavy style that we're used to, you know, grinding you out, um, you know, scoring dirty goals. We saw that Clutterbuck goal. He was at the top of the crease. He kind of just swiped the rebound in. Um, you know, Barzell took advantage of a, of a turnover in the neutral zone. And look, he's going to score on those 50% of the time. Um, you know, he's he's got the speed to make those turnovers happen. He's got... Um, the IQ to force those turnovers, you know, so those, those are some of the things that the Islanders have to their advantage. Now, the thing is for some reason or another, they get to the third period and all of that just kind of fizzles out. They kind of start playing this conservative defensive. Okay. We're up a couple goals. Let's, let's try and, and maintain that lead instead of continuing to strike. So, they fall apart instead of, you know, pushing the puck forward and, and, and trying to make their best defense, a good offense. Uh, they, they play this conservative style. It's almost like a, a prevent defense and they wind up, you know, shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Their so, structure can't support that anymore. Whatever it is that is different. Can't support what they used to do, which was the bend don't break kind of defensive mentality. Yeah. And now it sounds like, their best defense is a good offense. Like they need to just be controlling the puck and moving it out and just yeah. simply not having it in their own end. They used to just, it used to feel like the, the, the puck was in the Islanders end most of the game and they were getting low. They were getting uh, a low amount of shots, but high quality. They were, they were scoring enough goals to win hockey games and their defense was just able to not break. And now that they're not capable of that, I think that's a really good point. They need to just keep pushing the pace. They're finding success, obviously, yeah. when they're doing that. And against a young team like the Devils, who are just not going to give up, it's better to get them frustrated in their own end. Because they're young players, they just they want to run and gun. And if they're not able to do that, they're going to take bad penalties. Your power play can continue to stay on the ice. You can keep those players that are shut down a little more fresh. Like it just everything is very cyclical in in the game. And but once you let the other team get a little momentum, especially a team like the Devils, with all that energy, as you said, you're shooting yourself in the foot.
Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 186 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK-467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. The holiday season can be chaotic, and I know I haven't started my holiday shopping yet. So while it may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. So why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. James and I both love Raycon's earbuds for when we're playing drums. It's easy to hear our favorite songs and make sure that we're not missing a single note. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds, known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features like a 32-hour battery life and a perfect in-ear fit for all-day wear and lasting comfort. And this year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. Their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. Raycon is known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. It's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off of everything on their site with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com slash THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. The thing is, too, um, their discipline is not that great. Suzekas took a penalty. Holmstrom took a really bad penalty when they were on the power play to make it four on four hockey that you know when when it's four on four hockey for the devils that's when they're gonna eat like they that open space they're gonna have that uh that speed and opportunity to take advantage that's when jack hughes goes to work yes Brack goes to work um and look this is this is very um relative to, to them playing the devils but you could say that about most teams in this league right now like what team 
aside from maybe the Islanders and, and a few select teams who are, who are slower, what team doesn't have that fast speed and skill? You know, I, I want to say 28 out of 32 teams are built that way. Well, it clearly doesn't matter for the Islanders. They're an equal opportunity give up the lead team. They've done it to teams like the Devils who are struggling a little bit. They've done it to um, – they nearly let the Flames do it a little over a week ago, but they've done it to the avalanche. They've done it to the devils. Um, they've done it against the Kraken. They've done like it's, it. The, the list goes on. It's not like it's unique to anything. So it, yeah, it's any Canucks. team. It's any team that it's your, the other team's going to put out their best players in the last, you know, as the game goes on and they're playing from behind, you're going to see more of their good players. And the Islanders like, can't handle that. Like right. once, once that rotation, once the bench gets a little shortened, they're not able to maintain their defense, the defensive posture when those good the, the skill of the game goes up. I think I don't know if they're trying to roll the same lines. I saw somebody saying that the, the Islanders' best players weren't out there late in the game either. Um, that might have something to do with it. The Islanders' injuries certainly don't help the situation. So, and even with them, it's like it's it doesn't really matter who you put in. I guess that's kind of good, right? It's this the result of this game was no different than two nights ago when Pelic was in and Aho was in. Or if Martin was in, or if Gut Goche is in, or if Holmes was on the first line, or if Walsham's on the first line, or if Lee's on the first like Yeah. And it, it it's it's interesting in that fact where it doesn't matter it, the, the it's not even about lineup changes. So like that's not even an option anymore, which really puts Lambert on the hot seat, I think, even more. Where it's like he's running out of things to do, and he's he's clearly not changing the the strategy of the game and how his team is playing. And when you when you remove the ability to actually make roster changes, and if Lamorello thinks I've given you the tools and you're not doing it, this is kind of on you. Lee's going out there getting his face punched in and, and trying to rile up the boys and and be a leader. I don't know. Maybe, you know, we've given Lamarell a lot of credit and, and we've given a lot of shit, but the, the season's still young. It's only a quarter of the way through. Yeah. And I, I thought it was funny yesterday. I'm trying to remember who it was uh, that he, he turned the puck over to, but Mike Riley made his debut with the Islanders yesterday. He turned the puck over in the neutral zone and, and the, the Devils, you know, took advantage and scored on that opportunity. I was just laughing to myself and I was like, even the new guys are already, already playing like a classic Islander right now. It's just like, yeah, I saw that. And I, I thought the same thing. I was, I was like, so you just get there and they, what do they practice that? You know, you, right. you're like watching video, like, Oh, how do I play like an Islander? Granted. And it's just like fumble fucking the puck around in your own blue line. Yeah. Like, get over. Come on. Granted, you know, the scouting report on him is, that right he's a puck mover he's he's decent defensively but he's he's good for a boneheaded turnover here and there and and that was the classic example of that last night i thought riley was actually pretty good with that one you know blunder aside what did you think of the move overall so you know given necessary kind of like what's yeah and necessary but what i mean i guess there wasn't any other option right they tried bold duke um he also didn't look good i think um, Lambert had some choice words for him. I, I, I didn't grab the quote, but I'm remembering something 
Um, Saying it wasn't nice, I think, uh, would be underselling it. Um, It it bordered on telling, you know, saying that he just had a bad game. Um, And not just like, oh, you know, everyone has a bad game and blah, blah. That is like, no, you just can't do that shit. And uh, so it was surprising. And then, you know, I don't, what were the, what were the pairings last night? I'm forgetting. Can't believe one day. Um, Riley and uh, Grant and Grant. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, uh, so the, the quote here, I think, is what you're looking for. Uh, there's no question that this is his opportunity to show what he's capable of doing. Uh, that was from Lamorello. You can't teach size, strength and sense. We have to get him to be just a little bit more competitive. Not that he's not in certain areas. Um, now it's just in his hands. Um, that's from Lou. Uh, for, um, Lambert, I'm trying to see, there's just consistency that we need to see in, in, uh, game in and game out, regardless of whether you've uh, been sitting out or not. Uh, once you get your opportunity, you have to be ready to go. So, you know, maybe saying like, look, maybe he's not always ready to go. Um, you know, but I think that he was kind of just talking about that relative to his whole team. Um, but the fact of the matter is that, you know, Bulldog isn't relishing in this opportunity he's being given. Um, you know, he's he's one of and, and this isn't saying a ton because of how <laughs> shallow the prospect pool is, but he's one of their better prospects. Uh, is he a prospect at this point anymore? Not really, but he was one of their better young guys and it worked for him at the AHL level. Right. He was an all star uh, in his first season, even. And it's just not translating. It's not clicking. You know, maybe the pace is just that much more that he can't catch up to it quite yet. But he's he certainly hasn't done what he did in the A uh, up in the NHL. The the rest of the quote that I was looking for from Lambert was, I thought he started the game slow the other night and we can't have that. I thought he got better as the game went on. I thought his physicality was good. That was a good step for him. And I think the rest of the quote is what, what you had said. Um, have you noticed the Lamarol's quotes lately? Like he's he's saying something and then immediately walking it back. Listen, in the I, next I, sentence, it's it's not even like a different day. It's it's like, oh, our players are slow. I'm not saying that they're slow though. It's like what? Yeah. What do you? He said there was a quote about Barzell and and Horvat that you know we expect more from them. And that's all he needed to say. He needed to say. They're our best players, but we're expecting them to be. There are superstars. We need better play from them all the time. We're 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 never settling. Um, they're playing well, but you know we're going to continue to help them. You know, push to be reach their full potential. But he like walks himself all over the place, and it's been. I don't know. I the narrative about him being old and this and that. I hate that shit. I think it's stupid. But when I'm reading that stuff, I'm like, it just sounds like someone's grandpa at Thanksgiving just fumbling over himself. I just, I, I just don't like. I don't know. It's bothering me. I think, I think, you know, with things like that, um, it, it's so hard. These these guys are getting asked the same question, and and look, I'm part of that. They're getting asked the same question over and over again. There, there's guys who could have bad games. Uh, in stretches and, and they're consistently asked about them and they want to defend the player at some point, you know, real emotions take over and, and maybe they see it a little bit after hearing the question so often 
and they're frustrated at a point and they, they want better from this person and they know, you know, on their managerial end that that player can be better. Um, and when they're asked the question, that's just what comes out. And then they walk it back because they didn't maybe mean to open up so much in that sense. Um, but I, I don't think it's anything other than, you know, just trying to say, like you said, we need more from these guys. I'm not saying they're not giving enough, but we need more. Yeah, and I think that's that's fair. I just I'm seeing it almost every single time Lemrell's been quoted the last few weeks or month or so, where he's saying one thing and then immediately walking it back. I'm like, the first thing wasn't even that bad. You know, get under your guy's skin. This team needs to be they as we said earlier. They used to be this prove-it team, and I don't know if they got complacent or whatever the case is. I, they're clearly not happy. I mean, just watching Lee get into that fight and um, was ridiculous, but they, they need to play with a chip. I mean, they should be – the fact that – I almost wish they were lower in the standings still and that they're, they're playing as an underdog. They're not good as the team that's good. They They, they need – at least that was the – the glue for them. It's such a different team now. The players are very different. Um, it feels like the uh, what's around the team is different. doesn't mean they're less tight, but there's something that's different around the team. And it could just be that the players are have changed and personnel has changed and coaching and um, they're firmly in their new arena. There's, there's a lot less kind of... Um, there are less outside forces working against them and it's just themselves. Like now it's there's there's nothing there's there are no outside excuses. There's no road trip, there's no UBS arena, there's no COVID, it's there's no these old players and this thing, it's nope, on paper, this is good. This should work. We've seen it work for the majority of games, and then you shit the bed. And like we started the show. I I I'm not really sure what there's left to say about this team you you're you're down to waiver claims and ltir to kind of make everything work and it's not even good ltir where you trade it for somebody to like and and you picked up a player along the way and you, you cap dumped here and this this thing or whatever where you're like circumventing things it was just no you're you're arguably your best defenseman got hurt and you that's like a Garth Snow move. Well, I'll say this too. You know, I sent you that note earlier, Sarah Valley on uh, Kipper and Bourne's show. That's uh, Justin Bourne um, talking about the Islanders. And he said, you know, another name to consider, and he was talking about coaches on the hot seat, is uh, Lane Lambert on Long Island. I think the Islanders have not found the consistency and success, certainly from an offensive perspective. And this is, you know, quoting Sarah Valley. Um, haven't found the consistency and success uh, from an offensive perspective, and they'd like to have uh, a little more. A little Morello is not afraid to make a coaching change. That is so that's, Frank I mean, Cervalli. I have nothing bad to say about Cervalli. Really, any any writer for that matter. I've seen some dopey shit. Um, Except me. Um, well, you do ask me to edit your stuff. I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> Um, they clearly don't watch this team. 
Like just to say that they're not like the offense, like I guess the point, the main point is there, but it's hard for me. We're way closer to this team. I know that they're not watching the Islanders, but that's just wrong. Like that's I, not I, what I agree. They're not, not what's watching happening. the team, so it's 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 hard for me to take that seriously at I'll all. Say this. And not just like, oh, we need to mention the Islanders. It's been six weeks. I agree that they're not watching the team the way that you're saying. However, I don't discount that they're connected in ways with people who know that are connected to the team, and I know that it's a Lulauer. Lula Morello run operation and it's really hard to get information, yada, yada. I get that. But when you're, when you've been around and, and are as well connected as Saravali is, you hear things and that doesn't necessarily mean he's out, you know, airing all the dirty laundry because he probably doesn't have all the information. But if he says something about, you know, Lane Lambert and, and Lamarello not being afraid to make a coaching change. Look, Friedman said that, a couple of weeks ago, he knows that, you know, Lamorello is trying to figure out something to do regarding, you know, personnel change in the lineup. They're not just making this shit up. Like that doesn't happen as, as much as people like to joke around about that on social media, they're, they're not just making that up. And it's not one of those things where, you know, we, we haven't spoken about this team in, in X amount of days. We need to, you know, just kind of throw a segment in there. It wasn't even his show. You know, it was something that he was asked about on a on a in a guest appearance. So um, I don't discount his credibility on that information. Do I discount maybe his accuracy in reporting how the team plays? Sure. Because well, it's like the reasoning. He's like, well, Lemuel can't like how the team's. Doing like and that I think discounts it for me. Like, well, these they're not playing well offensively. So like Lambert, you know, blah blah blah. blah. I, I don't know, man. Like you just it's hard for me to believe the rest of the thing when the premise of what you're saying is wrong. I don't well, you, think, I, you think the premise of uh not playing consistently well enough offensively is wrong? I mean, for the like for the most part, they are scoring goals. The power play is good. It's not like and we just we talked about that on the show. Nelson's got ten. I think he hit ten recently. Um, Horvat's got nine. It's like they're they're scoring goals. They can't hold a lead. That's far away been the the problem. There are some games they're losing. They lost the first game of the season, one nothing, right to um, not Phoenix, the Arizona Coyotes. Um, Yes, they're you know they won two nothing against the Blue Jackets earlier this season. It's yes, there are times when they're not scoring goals. Every team does that, but that's not what the problem is. The consistency is on the defense. That's my point. Again, your your the premise is you know half of it's right. Consistency, sure, they're not consistent. Um, the other half is wrong. So it just it I don't like when it's I'll a say question this. mark. I'm taking a peek at natural stat trick, right? They are below 50% in Corsi four percentage five on five. They're below 50% in expected goals percentage five on five. They're below 50% in scoring chances percentage five on five. They're below 50% in high danger chances five on five. Um, And they're even at 50% high danger goals, four percentage, five on five. 
So I think what we're seeing here is a power play that's actually working. Uh, but five on five scoring at even strength is not consistently good enough. I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's fair. The five on five play has not been great. I think they're being there. I think it's, I think it's actually a really good point. They maybe they're buoyed by their their um, half their special teams. They're, they're the other ones an anchor. Um, I guess I guess I just see like eight out of twenty one games that they've um, blown that they've allowed the game winner in the third period and blown multi goal lead seven times. You you just need three of those games to go the other way and, and we're having a different conversation it's a lot less of um of a trend especially yeah. because it probably doesn't happen six or seven times in a row like it did uh in november it, it's it's easier to just kind of overlook it and be like oh, okay this is not great they should really get that kind of shit taken care of as the season goes on it's still early and blah 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 yeah the fact that it's just like a full-blown this is just who they are, and occasionally they don't. It's like they they're they're not occasionally blowing a lead, and they got to clean it up. They're occasionally scoring at five on five, and then also winning the game. I think it's a good point. Yeah, and you know, if you're asking me what I'm seeing at five on five as far as scoring opportunities, um, let's see. Horvat scored on the power play last night, so that doesn't count. Barzell scored on a to- turnover on the rush. Uh, Clutterbuck scored on a turnover on the rush. Um, Pajot scored in a turnover on, on a turnover in the offensive zone with, you know, being opportun- opportunistic, really, is what I'm trying to say. It, it was well, an that was op- a opportunistic sick play by Barzell. It was a sick play by Barzell. My point is, how often do you see this team carry the puck into the offensive zone, set up the cycle, move the puck around? And score little to none and that's a big part of scoring at five on five is being able to have that puck possession in the in the opposition's end and they're not doing that they're scoring on the rush they're scoring on the power play but they're not maintaining puck possession i think the possession thing is is huge and it's not like it and i don't think we're asking um for what they used to do which was generate one shot after having the puck on their stick for three minutes but have any possession and any amount of consistency as far as getting shots on goal it's a little um it's a little maddening it's like they're just not playing with the puck on their stick for the majority of the game yet they're leading they're still leading most of the game which is which is interesting because like i said they're they have the ability to be opportunistic and make these goals happen on the rush, on the power play, all well and good. But you're not you're not winning the game when it's played. The majority of the game is played at five and five, and those are the moments they're not winning. They're winning the other moments, which is good. Well, one of three, right? They're not on the it's not the PK. No. It's not five on five. So they're only winning when it's they're they're only winning the the special teams battle and it's the power play. They're winning the special teams battle, and when when I say that they ha- they're being opportunistic, like they're they're creating these chances. Like I said on the roster, creating these chances. You know, I, I don't want to say that they necessarily. Like yesterday, Barzell 
forced a turnover, but then also the Devils stepped on their own foot and turned over the puck themselves, and the Islanders made them you know pay for it, right? So they're taking they advantage have to do of, that of shit. yeah, absolutely. You have you have to do that absolutely. I, I think there's something to be said about taking something that's handed to you 100, um, and and that's good teams take advantage of those things. They should be doing that. However, when the game is played for the majority at even strength, right? Those are the times they're not winning those games. They're not winning the the even strength battles. And that's the way the majority of the game is played. Yeah, I, I don't know that there's I don't want to just like end the show and that's that's the end of it. But like I don't I really don't know what else there's to say about it. And well I'll, I'll say this, right? I, there's and we've spoke about this last week. We could talk about it again, just because there's another wrinkle, another layer to this. The Islanders are also not getting the motivation they need. They're not getting the kick in the ass from the bench boss. So I was going to say, is it a personnel thing on the ice, or is it a coaching thing at this? How point? How could it be a like, personnel thing at this point? We've already had the conversation. Where, yes, there are a lot of the parts on this team that are the same, but there are also a lot of parts on this team that are different. And look, maybe well, they, if it's they, not the right guys, like they didn't bring in maybe Romanov is, isn't the right piece. Um, I don't, I don't buy that. Like, I'm, I don't I'm, buy bringing, that. I'm bringing up examples. I hear like, you, but I'm, but here's my, my counterpoint Romanov is actually a, 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 a machine. You know, he, he brings energy, he brings pace, he's, he can skate the puck, he can, you know, lay a big hit. I think he is part of the solution. Horvat comes in. He's a goal scorer. He's a leader. He's he's pretty much been as advertised. He, oh, he's not scoring at a 20% shooting percentage clip, but he's scoring. Like, they're bringing in the right pieces. Now, granted, could they use one more? Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking about this for years. They could always use one more. But Every team they were able, they were able to – why were they able to do this with less – and bar with Barry Trotz behind the bench. They did this with less. I, We've I, had the conversation before that this team on paper is better than they were a couple of years ago. It's the coach behind the bench. Nobody is giving them the motivation and the structure that they had before. Now, the wrinkle and the extra layer that, that has now part of this is, you know, we said Jay Woodcroft's right there, right? They fired Jay Woodcroft. A lot of people say unjustified. They shouldn't have done that in Edmonton. Well, guess what? They're saying the same thing about Dean Evison in Minnesota, too. Dean Evison is an excellent coach. Well, excellent like we, coach. And like we, but like we talked about last week, with, and as, as Staple mentioned in his piece, you're really looking at like a Bruce Boudreaux situation where this is an interim guy that Fair. comes in. Now, unless other coaching changes happen throughout the league and Woodcroft or whatever get picked up during the season, there's an opportunity to bring in somebody like that next year. Um, it really depends on what happens the rest of the season. Um, but it is, I don't disagree. I, I think you just, I, I, I guess we're just finally saying, okay, it's not the players. I, I really left it. I, I was trying to split the blame a little bit because it really, at the end of the day, it's on the players for just stepping up and doing the thing that I, I've always thought it's like, you're a professional. You don't always need your. We all do this in our jobs. There are times when you just have to go and make the right decision and not just sit there and say, well, my boss told me to do the other thing. <laughs> I, I I don't know. That's like if if you told somebody that was what was happening, like, I don't know. They told me to do that. 
I knew it was wrong the whole time. I don't know. People call you an idiot. I think they started to question you as a professional. I'm not saying be defiant, but you can, as a player, you do have a little room out there. And at a certain at a certain point, just like simplify your game. Something's happening where they're overthinking something. And I said that about Barzell. He needs to play more north-south. He's had success when he's done that. Um, but even in the defensive zone, it's just like they're running around. Like, like you said, there's no structure. But we've all, like, I'm not lumping myself in with professional hockey players, but it's it's not, it's far from their first rodeo. Like, you don't know how to play defense? <laughs> you don't know how to, like, be a team in your own zone? I don't understand. Like, you need a co- you need someone to tell you specifically, like, a style to play? Like, I know how important that could be. We, Barry Trotz, but I, I don't know. Don't run around? You need someone to tell you that? Like, well, I, it's not I'm that. So, it's that. I'm so curious what is actually said and be like, wow, Trotz versus Lambert and the structure in this. Like, what is Lambert telling them to do? Look, is it anything? Systems are different. And if if one part of the machine is broken, the whole thing is not going to work. And, you know, you know, last year when, when Timo Meyer came to the Devils, he admitted that the system in New Jersey is far different than it was in San Jose. Took him a while to get acclimated. Once he did, started playing better. It wasn't a it wasn't an easy start. It wasn't a smooth start. You know, systems are are different around the league. And although hockey, all the, the same goal is, is, you know, to put the, the rubber in the back of the net, I get it. They all do it in different ways. That's why there's European style hockey. There's North American style hockey. There's all these different styles of hockey. And, you know, depending on who's behind the bench and how they, you know, want you to play the game. Every system is a little bit different. I, I understand what you're saying. And, you know, like, Skate the puck up to the offensive zone. Like, don't let the other team have it. I get it. Like, that's the like, simplistic or, way of looking or, at it. But or play with energy, or like, like some of those things. I don't understand. And I, I far be it from me. I've I've not real. I've not played at like a super high level. I, I understand at a certain point where we, the team had a, a way that we played, and I had some success in like roller hockey and playing ice whatever. At the NHL level, it's like the nuance is just so tight between one team to the next team, and it's it's really can you can you just play with structure? And I think that's like that's why I kind of leave it on them on the players. Still, it's just focus. Like late in the game, it worked. You were leading the game. Whatever you were doing was working, and then what did you do? You need your coach to call a timeout, which Lambert rarely does. He did it very recently, maybe even a week ago. That's the help. What is he doing in the game? Like that's the. I think that's the thing for me. It's like during the game isn't when they're coach. They're not. There's nothing to coach. Like this, I don't know. I don't know. That there's a lot to do during the game. You have to go out there and execute. That's what practice is for. That's what the tape is for. That's what strategy sessions or whatever. You tweak between periods and and little things and what the other team is doing. And, and yeah, sure, you have a different perspective. You're standing on the bench. You're not seeing the game the same way as the players. You're going to see things that they don't see. But I don't know. At the end of the day, it's on the players for me. 
But if the structure and what they're doing, and if he's lost the room and they're not responsive, they don't get it. They're not capable of it. Whatever you want to say. Yeah, I guess it's time. I guess it's just not, it's not the marriage we expected it to be, which is fucking crazy. Lambert was like, I'm just going to ignore everything we did. I'm going to ignore all this, all this stuff that we did, all this success that we had. And I'm just going to fucking who cares. What? How did you come to that conclusion? You need to make your own stamp. This is the stamp. It's like you fell face first into the sand. It looks like shit. Like no one knows what this is. This isn't the same team. I don't. They're the melted Madame Tussauds wax version of themselves. <laughs> just like just disintegrating in front of us of this team we knew. And it's very funny when you hear. And that's like I'm busting on uh, Saravalli, but like a lot of a lot of reporters are like, oh, this defensive stalwart team. And I'm like, are you fucking watching this team this season? Even last season? Like you're that was a thing. But this is not that team. It's not even that coach anymore. You can't say that anymore. I know right. it's like a really easy narrative for you to I think even on TNT they were saying that like Gretzky was like, oh, they're really tough defensively. I'm like, you need to you need to watch more Islanders hockey or fucking don't. I barely <laughs> want to watch this team. <laughs> you're just like, you just watch the highlights. You're gonna be like, oh, and um, oh yeah, it's a third period now. This is when they fall apart. Right. Well, it's 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 funny because you know in talking to you know Andrew yesterday, he was like, watch. He's like. They're they're gonna give this one up. Sure enough. <laughs> yeah, you know. Someone uh replied to us on Twitter, I forget what I posted today on our account, and, and they said, Oh, you gotta you gotta bet against the Islanders on or something to that effect. They're, that's what they were implying, like and bet on the other team to take the lead and uh and after in the third period. And I was like, if you want to bet, you know, use that promo code DHPN, but <laughs> I can't bet against the Islanders. If I even was, you know, I'm not a huge better to begin with. Um, but I don't know that I'd do it against the Islanders. That feels like, uh, I don't know, making myself sad on purpose and getting paid for it. Masochistic <laughs> is maybe maybe the word for that. I'm not sure. Wipe those tears with that green. I mean, I guess I'll just get over it. But... <laughs> Yeah, Lord knows I'll start losing money uh, and the Islanders will start winning, which I guess that's fine. You know, losing money and the Islanders win the Stanley Cup, I uh, guess that's okay. Um, I, pref- I don't know. I prefer them to just be good and also you, not waste my you money. You, in a sense, paid that for that Stanley Cup. I think I, if, if that was the case, then I should get my name on it if I was in any way responsible. I mean, I, I think you're saying all factual things. <laughs> yeah i don't know do you, do, you, do you have anything else for today no no that that's that's really it i mean you know it's i feel like we're we're ending off on the same note we did last time where it's just you know if this continues it's it, there's nothing else they can do but a coaching change and look the one thing i'll say about that is look at look at vancouver same same guys. Look at them this year. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any, anything else to add at this point. We're, we're um, a little bit of a broken record. But 
there's more hockey. They're in Carolina next, or they're already in Carolina and they're playing them soon. Um, I believe on Thursday as you're hearing this for the first time. Um, important game, in, you know, in division, um, everything's still really tight. They can, they can just keep staying in it. And there's a certain point where they can kind of continue to wade in this bullshit and just catch a little bit of a break and start playing well for five games. And they're okay. Like really okay. Now they need to carry that and not, you know, not be seven, seven, seven in regulation, but, um, you know, get over the next 21 games, but, um, they, they're not far away from not even just being in the mix, but kind of being maybe top three in the Metro. Like that's, it's for the taking. It's all right there right now. Just need to have a good five or 10 game stretch and really separate themselves. God, just, it's, I, I really don't think it takes much. I, re, I really don't. And I'm going to hold out a little bit of hope here um, as we inch towards Christmas and, um, and see what they can do. I, I really, they're they're obviously capable of, of doing it. They just need to close out games, which is nothing we haven't said 10 times already on this episode. <laughs> um, but if that's it, we can we can wrap it up. Yeah, go for it. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen to or watch the show. And thank you. I, I watched our Spotify uh, wrapped for the podcast. Very cool. Um, 19 of you sickos, this was your top podcast. So, um Thanks, and we're really sorry that this is the most listened to thing that you have. <laughs> um, for all the people that uh, that their entrance episode was the one with Chris Botta, um, thanks for finding us with that, and and we're happy that uh, that you kind of stuck around. Um, all the new listeners, listeners along the way, wherever you listen to the podcast, um, and yeah, you know we're fifteen hundred followers on on Twitter, and trying to be more active in other places, and. Uh, almost uh almost 300 subscribers on uh on youtube if i'm not mistaken something like that um so thanks you know end of the year we're grateful for for everything and uh, everyone following along and if you're not already following us you can follow us on twitter instagram threads and youtube at nasman hockey you find james work at new jersey hockey now in the fourth period and James, you keep switching it up. I don't know if we go back to the old closing. I don't know if we need to keep going until we find something and then we have to wear our pajamas <laughs> inside out forever. I got, I'm not sure what um, what voodoo we have to do, but uh, try literally anything. Until next time, hire Dean Evanson. <laughs>